1: Floating, uncontrollable laughter, and in some cases, anal leakage. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey, this is episode number 42 of Excuse Me, That's Illegal podcast that takes a hardcore look at some softcore crimes. I'm your flawless host, Leroy Luna, coming at you. Straight out of the closet with a tale about a young man who had too much to drink and too much time on his hands. Booze plus boredom equals bad decisions. That's just simple math right there. I wanted to address something before we get into it today. I know I just said I'm your flawless host. I'm not. I'm sure I mess up all the time. I'm just some dude with a microphone in his closet. Let's take episode 40, Stomp, for example. I referenced a movie called Polyester, directed by Roger Waters. Still wanna watch it, haven't had the time. Anywho, I misspoke and called him John Waters. Simple error. John Waters is from Pink Floyd. His name came out of my mouth instead of Rogers. Two famous old dudes with the same last name. Got him mixed up. It happens. I've received at least eight messages correcting me on that. (laughs) I guess it's just good to know you guys are paying attention. And that's actually the first occasion I've been corrected on something that many times. Which, hey, maybe that means I don't mess up that often. No one was rude, everyone was cool about it. But just letting you know I'm aware of my mistake, and I don't need any more messages about it going forward. Of course, I'm addressing this two episodes later, and people who come across that episode in the future will likely shoot me a message before they hear this, making my rant right here completely pointless. But whatever. Just to recap, John Waters is in a band called Pink Floyd. This could be an unpopular opinion, by the way. But I don't think I even like one song by Pink Floyd. I'd prefer to listen to Smash Mouth or even Nickelback. That's right, I said it. And Roger Waters is some creep with a pencil-thin mustache who directed a bunch of weird movies. Okay, glad we cleared that up. I can almost hear people typing angrily right now. Actually, Pink Floyd is one of the greatest bands of all time. Haven't you heard that song about a brick in the wall? Also, when you corrected yourself, you mixed up their names again. You idiot. (laughs) Yes, I did. That was on purpose to trigger you yet again. I'm just having a good time here. Shoot me all the messages you want. Doesn't bother me. You guys are the best. All right. Now I got a couple of alcohol-related jokes via alcoholproblemsandsolutions.org. So here goes. A dude with amnesia walks into a bar. He goes up to a beautiful woman, and he says, Hey, baby, do I come here often? Oh, mercy. That was good. And if you think that one was good, the next one's even better. So a guy walks into a bar, sits down, and hears a tiny voice say, You look nice today. A few minutes later, he hears another tiny voice. Hey, nice shirt, man. The guy, confused, asks the bartender, Who's saying that? The bartender goes, oh that's the peanuts, they're complimentary. You know what that sound means, let's cruise these suburban streets as I serenade you with another tale of low level true crime. And don't worry my friends, I promise to get you back home in time for happy hour. Episode number 42, the Boozy Bucket List. A bucket list is described as a number of experiences or achievements that a person hopes to have or accomplish during their lifetime. Everybody's got one. Well, that's not entirely true, I don't have an official bucket list, but there are some things I'd like to do before I kick the bucket. Host a super successful podcast, swim with the dolphins, learn another language. Two dudes at the same time. Uh, These are examples of bucket list items. Those experiences weren't necessarily from my list. Anyways, it's always the big ticket items, the heavy hitters we hear about when someone tells us what's on their bucket list. But what about the smaller achievements and experiences, like riding a mechanical bull, singing karaoke on a stage, or baking a loaf of bread from scratch? The young man we are going to hang out with today attempts to tick a few of these smaller items off his list. And he is quite successful in doing so. Okay. Today's tale takes place in the town of Hamilton, Montana. Let's hear from GlacierMontana.com to get a better feel for what Hamilton is all about. Quote, Anchoring the Bitterroot Valley, the well-rounded town of Hamilton, the valley's largest community, Offers theater, live music, local breweries, golf, a hopping downtown, and easy access to hiking and backpacking in the Bitterroot Mountains. After strolling through downtown, be sure to stop by the Daly Mansion, original home to one of Montana's Copper Kings, Marcus Daly. End quote. According to a 2010 census, Hamilton's population was listed at 4,348. Wow, that's low. So do they have a hopping downtown as they claim to? It's doubtful, but hey, I've never been, so can't confirm or deny. Perhaps I'll have to put a visit to Hamilton, Montana on the old bucket list. To tell you this story, we're going to have to travel back in time to Tuesday, February 16th, 2010. For fun, because we haven't done this in a while, let's find out what was going on in the world back in February of 2010 to set the scene. February 7th, Super Bowl forty-four. The New Orleans Saints defeated the Indianapolis Colts 34-17. Saints quarterback Drew Brees was the evening's MVP. February 12th, the 21st Winter Olympic Games opened in Vancouver, Canada, eh? I remember that. And then we got movies. Top 5 in the box office for February. Avatar was still killing it and holding on strong at number 1, even though it was released a couple months earlier back in December of 09. Then you got your Valentine's Day at number two, followed by Shutter Island, starring my boy Leonardo DiCaprio. And numbers four and five were Dear John and Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief. Honorable mention, going out to Old Dogs at number 46, (laughs) a movie I had the pleasure of witnessing in theaters. The premise, you ask? Well, Charlie and Dan have been best friends and business partners for 30 years, and their Manhattan public relations firm is on the verge of a huge business deal with a Japanese company. With two weeks to sew up the contract, Dan gets a surprise. A woman he married on a drunken impulse nearly nine years earlier, annulled the next day, shows up to tell him he's the father of her twins, now seven, and she'll be in jail for 14 days for a political protest. Dan volunteers to keep the tykes, although he's uptight and clueless. With Charlie's help, is there any way they can be dad and uncle, meet the kids' expectations, and still land the account? Ooh, mayhem and shenanigans are sure to ensue. The movie starred John Travolta and Robin Williams. May he rest in peace. And it actually wasn't that bad, to be honest. When I looked up Old Dogs to get that description, I was shocked to see another movie by the same name. came out in 2009 as well. What are the odds? This movie was much lesser known, but sounds fantastic. Three guys in their 70s reclaim their vitality, when mistakenly picking up a bag full of cocaine puts them between the cops and the mob. Sign me up. That, my friend, sounds like a winner. Okay, we're getting carried away here. (laughs) Let's get back to the story. We're in beautiful Hamilton, Montana. It's the night of Tuesday, February 16th, 2010. And we're going to meet a mischievous young man by the name of Stefan Crane. Stefan has been out getting his drink on. He was at a friend's place getting plastered. Now Stefan is only 19 years of age, so right away, he's in the U.S. of A., so hello. That's illegal. As I've stated before, I think the drinking age should be 18 or 19. Out of high school, old enough to drive, old enough to vote, old enough to go to jail. I think you're okay to go out and have some drinks with your buds responsibly, of course. So he's feeling good, feeling tipsy. He's dropped off by one of his pals over at his sister's place. It's late, he's had a little too much to drink, and he's going to go sleep it off at her apartment. Right on. Don't want to go stumbling into your parents' house, reeking of booze. They're going to start asking questions you don't want to answer. Now, I'm not sure if this plan had been prearranged, probably not, because when Stefan arrives and starts banging on his big sis's door, she doesn't answer. Stefan's perplexed by the situation. This is terrible, but he's not going to give up that easy. So he goes to one of the windows around back and attempts to sneak in. The window's shut, locked. He doesn't want to smash it, so he goes back to square one. He's at her front door yet again. She's still not answering. Hmm, now Stefan's frustrated. He's bored, doesn't know what to do. He looks on the floor in the hallway and he sees a newspaper. He picks it up and starts reading a story on the front page to pass the time. It's kind of lame, though. The article is about some political nonsense. The newspaper he's reading is called the Revalley Republic. The town of Hamilton is located in Revalley County. A little history here, folks. The Revalley Republic newspaper was founded way back in 1889. It was originally called the Bitterroot Bugle. That's when it was in Grantsdale. A year later, it moved to Hamilton and was renamed the Bitterroot Times. Anyways, over time, blah, 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 yada, yadda, yadda, it became known as the Revali Republic. And it's kind of the little big dog local newspaper over there. Is it a good paper? I don't know. I mean, it was the main source for my research for this episode, so that's got to count for something. Uh, the newspaper is also heavily involved in this story, so that's pretty nifty. But we'll get into that later. Let us now hear from the people. What are their opinions on the Ravalli Republic? Well, it received a lowly 3.0 out of 5 stars from only 10 Google reviews. Joshua Boyd gives an angry 2-star, saying, Their entire website is filled with ads they get paid for, yet they still have a limit on posts the public can read without signing up for a subscription. In my opinion, this is a slap in the face to journalism and detrimental to our community. To the public. Want unlimited articles? Open your browser in incognito mode, end quote. I don't know how to do that, but need to figure that out ASAP. Thanks, Joshua. Uh, Julie Jacobson, five stars, quote, Excellent customer service. Very satisfied. And lastly, we got Sabrina Bates. And with her four star, she says, For a small town paper, it is okay, end quote. Yeah, let's go with that. Sounds fair. My opinion on most small town papers... Mediocre work at best. If you work for a small town newspaper, please don't message me about that comment. I took journalism in college and dropped out. So what do I know? Jeez, everyone's so defensive these days. So Stefan is looking at this newspaper, then looking across the hall with a devilish grin on his face. You see, he's always wanted to know what the inside of a newspaper office looked like. And well, what do you know? The home base, the office of the Ravalli Republic newspaper? Just so happens to be located right across the hall from his sister's apartment at 232 West Main Street. Oh yeah, baby. It is on. Let's see if we can scratch one of those items off that bucket list. It's not going to be easy. He'll have to earn it. The door to the office, of course, is locked. Not to worry, though. He goes outside, hops on the roof, and is able to sneak his way in through an unlocked window. Success. We know all this information about Stefan's escapades via a confession tape where he described everything in detail. A crap spoiler alert. He'll later get caught. I mean, that's not a huge spoiler, as that's what happens to 99% of the softcore scumbags that I discuss. When Stefan makes it into the office, he was likely disappointed. First of all, it was dark. The place was closed, and it's not like the Revali Republic is a huge publication. The paper's daily circulation is a little over 5,000 copies. This isn't the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal we're talking about here. There wasn't a bunch of people tapping away on their typewriters, phones ringing off the hook, the smell of sweat, ink, and paper hot off the press in the air. There wasn't some guy running out the door with a feather in his cap, holding an oversized camera saying, What a scoop! That's what I picture when I think of a newsroom. That idea is slightly outdated, I'm sure. Some little dude standing out front wearing a paperboy hat or a newsboy cap, whatever they call it, shouting, extra, extra, read all about it. Must have saw that in a movie once. None of that was going on. All right, so our boy Stefan gets in there, snoops around for a while. He claimed that he was searching for something to pick the lock of his sister's front door. There are lots of computers in there. He decides, hey, while I'm in here, why not take this opportunity to check out my MySpace page? I'm not familiar with MySpace, really. Never had an account. I'm pretty sure it was dying out at this point, taken over by Facebook. Facebook was huge in 2010. I remember getting my account in 2007, I believe. What a wild time to be alive. Anywho, he also checks out his Facebook. He's taking his time in there. And he also does a big no-no on another computer. I wouldn't admit to this, but I'm sure they would have figured it out. As I'm sure Stefan was too drunk to delete his browser history. He surfs the web and views some pornography. Hey, what happens in the newsroom stays in the newsroom. Here is what Hamilton police detective Stephen Murphy said Stefan said uh, about this <laughs> sticky situation. Quote, as he started to sober up, he said that logging on to his MySpace page was a dumb move for a burglar to make. End quote. Sure was. Not to mention leaving his DNA all over that keyboard from watching the porn. They didn't come out and say he masturbated, but hey, nobody watches porn for the cinematography, do they? Detective Stephen Murphy also deduced that Stefan was in the newsroom for approximately three whole hours. So what else did he do? Snacks, of course, because we got to have snacks. Our boy was searching through the desks and score! He found two gallon-sized bags of trail mix and some M&Ms. Dang, someone likes snacking. Perhaps I was a community bag, you know, for the whole office to get their munch on as they pleased. Out of curiosity, I googled how many M&Ms are in a gallon. Here's what I found. Quote, there are approximately 3,991 regular M&Ms per gallon on average. These are regular chocolate M&Ms and not peanut or other types of M&Ms. End quote. Good to know if you're ever in one of those competitions where you got to count them in a jug or whatever. Uh, We'll talk about these snacks again in a moment. Stefan looks around the office a little more. Nothing was tickling his fancy. That is, until he saw that beauty mounted on the wall. A big old fire extinguisher. Hell yeah. Detective Stephen Murphy, quote, he said he thought it would be neat to shoot it off, end quote. Cross another mediocre experience off that bucket list. I've never had the pleasure of shooting off a fire extinguisher myself. Getting all that chalkiness all over the place. Whatever that is in a fire extinguisher. Okay, hold on. Had to Google it. Uh, This podcast is such a learning experience. I love it. Here's what they say on eHow.com. Quote, "...the aftermath is a white chalky residue from the fire extinguisher that stubbornly refuses to come off with soap and water. The chalky substance is sodium bicarbonate and other extinguishing agents." essentially baking soda and other chemicals under pressure, end quote. Stefan shot it off, made a mess. An apartment I once had, there was a fire extinguisher in the hallway, and someone set that baby off one night, getting powder everywhere, making a huge mess. I got blamed for it, almost got kicked out for that incident. Jimmy Chow, my slumlord at the time, came banging on the apartment door on a Sunday morning. I answered the door, hung over, and he goes, Holy shit, what happened last night? Was you guys having another crazy party? How am I going to clean this up? Jimmy had like six teeth, and that might be a generous estimation. I'm assuming it was one of my douchey friends who did it, but no one ever fessed up. Okay, screw it. I'm putting shooting a fire extinguisher on my bucket list right now. Back to the trail mix. He probably snacked on the M&Ms, but apparently he doesn't like trail mix. He tossed two bags of it out the window. Stefan would later say, I left a trail, literally, to the door where I was. There was a trail of it leading to his sister's apartment. There was also a bunch of M&Ms on the Ravalli Republic newspaper, which was sitting in front of his sister's front door. Unbelievable. They didn't go into detail on this, but eventually Stefan made his way into his sister's apartment. She must have finally answered the door or he picked the lock. Not sure. At any rate, he made it into his sister's home and went to bed. Must have been tired. He had a big day. When Revali Republic employees came into work the next morning, they saw the mess. The absolute destruction. Okay, it wasn't that bad, but it was clear someone had broken into the newsroom, so they called the police. Police launched a very short investigation and followed the clues. The literal trail of trail mix leading to Stefan's sister's door. That was their first order of business. Uh, They knocked on the door and they spoke to Stefan. And when they did, he spilled the M&M's. I mean, he spilled the beans on the whole break and enter. The late night tomfoolery he had gotten himself into. He was taken into the Rivali County Detention Center and was arrested for criminal mischief and burglary. Those are felony charges and one count of theft, which is a misdemeanor. I couldn't find out how much time he served, uh, if he was let off easy or what. Hopefully they took it easy on him as he was a first time offender. 19, so young. An adult, yeah, technically, but a young adult, and you still have so much to learn about the world at that age. Stefan sounds like a good time. Would have loved to toss back a few brewskis with him in my heyday, for sure. He would be 30 right now, according to my calculations. A little older, hopefully a little wiser, and I hope he straightened up his act. And that night is just a fond, foggy memory for him. I know these items weren't on his agenda, But Stefan can also add getting arrested and going to jail to his life experiences. Not too many of us can say that, so good for him. I really hope he didn't spend an extended period of time in jail, though, because that could lead to a whole bevy of new experiences. And some things that definitely were not on his bucket list. And we are back. That's a wrap on episode number 42, The Boozy Bucket List. What a night. As always, I'd like to thank Steffi for voicing the disclaimer, the operator for providing that sweet, sweet theme music, and my boo for editing this episode. Well, you know what time it is listener confession time, baby. So sing it with me. Let's get criminal, criminal. I wanna get criminal. Hey, it's me again to tell you this softcore confession from a new listener named Shelby. So here goes. Hello, Leroy. I really love the podcast and I cannot believe it took me this long to find you. Here is my softcore crime. I was living in Dallas and was a, oh, got someone else from Texas here. Okay, hold on. I was living in Dallas and was a nervous driver. <laughs> I've been told from a few people from Texas that this is not how they speak. But hey, guess what? That's how I like to do it, baby. Okay, so I was living in Dallas and was a nervous driver. I was from a small town in West Texas, and Dallas was the big city for me. So I commuted on the bus. One day, the bus was very full, and I am a curvy woman. Ooh, va So I choose to to sit in the front of the bus, where there are seats with no dividers. A man sits next to me. I say hello and good morning to several of the other passengers around. He starts giving me the business, telling me how beautiful I am and how he would like to get to know me. I am polite and thank him for the compliment. He lays his hand on my knee. I look at him like, what are you doing? I say, I don't know you like that. Please take your hand off my knee. Well, this fellow thinks that is an invitation to move his hand up my leg. So I say a bit louder, Hey, I don't know you like that. Keep your hands to yourself. Again, he advances up my leg. So I stand up and yell, Look, if you don't get your hand off my leg, I will cut your arm off. Of course, the bus driver stops because he has a woman yelling on his bus and there is a transit officer on all buses. The transit officer asks me what is going on. I explain the above. He tells me that is no reason to threaten violence. I could be charged with assault. The groper says, yeah, charge her. She was going to cut me. I start to laugh because I do that in times of stress and say, cut him with what? I don't have a sword. You are a foot taller than me and outweigh me by 50 pounds. If anyone here should be charged, it would be him for sexual assault. I was afraid and I had been taught to get attention if I felt in danger. The transit officer looks at the guy and says, I have a good point. Oh, now he wants to drop it. The transit officer then says he has to cite us for the driver stopping the bus. A nice older woman sitting across from us pipes up, Sir? She did ask him very nicely to remove his hand, and he did move it up her leg. The officer thanked her, and he told the bus driver to continue. The officer took this dude to the side and did write him a ticket, then came and sat next to me. He told me I was not going to get a ticket, but in the future... If I am being felt up on the bus, (laughs) Jesus, I should simply ask for help. I thanked him and told him I was very scared because he was not taking no for an answer. So should I have threatened this man with violence? No. Could I have just yelled and got attention without that? Yes. I thanked the lady who spoke up for me, and I did apologize for making a few commuters a little bit late. This is a long story. Thank you for the pod. It is awesome. I am an epileptic... Jesus. I've tried saying this like 10 times. I am an epileptic. Nailed it. And the air horn doesn't bother me. Have a great day. Not being groped in Texas, otherwise known as Shelba. (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Shelba. And I'm so glad the air horn doesn't bother you. I kind of forgot about that. Some douche claimed a while back my use of the air horn gave them a seizure. If I thought there was an actual chance of someone having a seizure with the use of the air horn, I would definitely stop I make sure it's not too loud. Anyways, I think you handled this bus situation perfectly. A lot of people would freeze up, not really speak up. That aggressive pig should have never touched your leg like that. And when he didn't stop, you had every right to smash him right in the face, in my opinion. If that happens again, I say do the same thing. We have transit officers on trains over here to check people's tickets and stuff. Ah, for security too, I guess, but not on buses. At least not that I'm aware of. If that transit security guy is listening by some chance, hey man, just do your damn job. And next time, hey, I know it's a little more difficult, but how's about you lecture the perpetrator instead of the victim, you fool? Thanks for writing in, Shelba. Love the name, by the way. And I'm happy you found the show. We gotta keep spreading the word here, people. This podcast needs help rocketing to superstardom. Excuse me, that's illegal at gmail.com Write me your true crime confessional Or better yet, voice it in And you could have it played on the show Okay, Patreon shoutouts Thanks so much to everyone who's been joining Please, let's have a moment of silence here While I induct the next ten members Into the elite group Known as the Neighborhood Watch Christine R Monica Erica R, Corey C, Betsy R, Sammy C, Tim, Braden H, Corey H, and Tracy P. You are now members of the Neighborhood Watch. Let's sound the air horns to make it official. Thank you so much, my friends. It really means a lot. Patreon.com slash excuse me, that's illegal to join the club for the price of a Big Mac a month. Link in show notes. All right, I have a promo to hit you with on the way out here from my new pals Gretchen Tab. They are the hosts of Housewives of True Crime. I've been binging them the past couple of months and had to reach out to these lovely ladies to do a swap. And hey, you don't have to be a lady to enjoy what they're serving up here either. Seriously, I actually love the way they tell the stories, their witty banter. They make me laugh. So check them out if you're in the market for another true crime pod. I'll let the ladies tell you all about their amazing show in a moment. As for myself, you know the drill. Catch me back here in another 10 days for more softcore scum baggery. Peace! Alright, take it away, ladies.
3: you like crime in bed by nine and maybe a glass of wine well then you will love us we are tab and gretch from housewives of true crime we tell a true crime story on the lighter side no guts no gore and no children you get a weekly dose of what's going on in our personal lives Seriously, nothing is off the table, like when I walked into Walmart with a big hole in my shorts. Or when I forgot to put my bikini bottoms on and took my skirt off at the beach. But it's only for the first seven minutes, and it's mostly crime time. Like Rita Cronwall, the city controller who didn't mind taking the city's money as long as she could wear her fancy Western wear and have million-dollar horses. Check us out at Housewives of True Crime wherever you find your podcast. Clink, 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 clink.
2: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.